You're about to listen to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor at Caris Center International. Reverend Josh Lai is a preacher of the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you listen. This is going to be Jesus Culture Part 2. I'm going to continue from where I left off. Praise God. Now, when you get into a place and you don't get to understand the culture of the place, you struggle. Everywhere you go to and you don't understand the culture, you struggle. The reason why some coaches, as a matter of fact, suffer havoc when they get to some teams is because the coach has not understood the culture of the team. And the reason why some of the people also, or the, the team members, suffer havoc is because they don't understand the culture of the coach. <laughs> All right, so both should be able to understand each other's culture, and they'll be able to play so very well as a good team. Praise God. All right, so what it means is that all of us should be able to understand how God wants us to live this salvation life that he has given us as a gift. <laughs> Praise God. And that is when we'll be able to play with God as a good team and enjoy all the benefits he has for us. Praise God. All right, so I don't want you to be saved and yet everything that you're supposed to have as a child of God, walk in dominion, in prosperity, in joy, in peace, with the Holy Ghost. All of these things are denied of you because you don't understand the culture in which you're operating. Are you here with me? All right. So, Jesus culture part two. I made reference to a few things um, that... It is meant to create an environment that works. So the reason why you have a good culture is because you create an environment that what works. Okay? It is important because if you go to any country, I told you about Singapore, that if you go to Singapore, you'll not see a piece of paper on the floor. And the lady told me that she was so shocked. And she was asking, how? And they said that, as a matter of fact, you staying with me, anything that we have on ourselves that is waste, we carry it in our car. We wait till we get home and we drop it. It doesn't even come to your mind to drop it on the floor. Why? It may have started with a bit of a struggle, but now it has become a culture. Praise God. You know, because um, human beings don't like change. But then change is also constant. As a matter of fact, you are changing. Yes. You know, you added a day to your years. And because you added a day to your, ear, your years, something changed in your body. All right? 
So some of you, you used to look at your body and you, you see your body and say, wow, beautiful body. And then all of a sudden, you are seeing certain things you don't want to see. <laughs> it's aging by the... As a fact, sometimes I see an old man that I knew before that was not that old. And it gets me frightened. Does it happen to you? Oh, does it happen to you? Yes. Because you saw them very fresh some few years back. And then all of a sudden, they are all full of wrinkles. And you're like, hey, so am I going to be like this? All right. Okay, so whether you like it or not, change is constant. Okay? And that's why training to have a good culture shouldn't be a yoke and a bondage. It shouldn't. It shouldn't. I said that, number one, you have the culture. Number two, it comes out of an ideology. Is that right? Okay. So the ideology, the mindset of the people, I describe all of that. I define all of that. And then it becomes a vision. They begin to see it. And very soon they begin to act it. What sets your mind and takes over your mind, you begin to see. You begin to dream. And very soon you begin to act it. And I said that ideologies, visions, cultures, and actions can be created where they don't exist. And they can also be changed where they exist. And if you live in a country like Ghana, or you are an African, you and I know that you need to change your culture. Praise God. All right. When people decide not to change, they become like Galatians chapter 5, 19 to 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, um, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, reveries, and the like. And the like. So an uncultured life goes down the drain. Okay? It, it doesn't have purpose. It, it doesn't have focus. It, it doesn't. So, so, so anybody that wants to do stuff with God and be relevant must understand that they need to develop a good culture. Oh, praise God. And thank God that we are not just talking about good, we are talking about the Jesus culture. And that should be very clear in our hearts, in our minds. Praise God. Alright. I said that uh, an ideology is the body of ideas reflecting the social needs and aspirations of a people, group, class, or culture. A set of doctrines or beliefs that form the basis of a political, economic, religious, or other systems. I even gave an example that if you see one politician in Ghana and you put them all together, you can see that the reason why most come into power is because of money. That is the ideology. You may see one out 
of the 99 who really has very good intentions, but because of the ideology of the group, it affects the one. And very soon, they become like the others. Are you getting the point? Yes. All right? Okay. So, it, it's, it's so much important to know that I belong to this group. This is their ideology. And if their ideology does not fit into the Jesus culture, I eject. Oh, praise God. I eject. All right. This is just the foundation. We'll begin to talk about how to operationalize this kind of the Jesus culture. All right. So, vision. Vision. What's a vision? The imagination of the future. So now, anybody that has a set mind. Now, I'm talking about the Jesus culture. And you begin to set it in your mind, in your heart. It becomes your attitude. It becomes your awareness. It becomes your place of imagination. You begin to look at how you need to be in the future. It becomes the image of your desire. It overwhelms what you think about. It overwhelms your passion. It takes over your intellect, your will, and your emotions. You are so strong because you, you, you have now developed something and you know this is the best for me. And I told you that anytime you talk about desire, don't joke with desire. And if you see that your desire is tilting towards a certain place, make sure you bring it back. Anytime you see your desire tilting, listen to me, grace is available for you. Make sure you tilt it back. Because listen, desires are so powerful. I told you that you can move from this place to Tema just because you know that Agbamami Fufu. You don't care about accidents. You hear accidents on the motorway all the time. You don't care. This is what you want to eat. This is what you want to take. As a matter of fact, some of us, where we go and find our girlfriends and our boyfriends to marry, if they send us We'll never go. Ah, you see what he said. Say yes. <laughs> we'll never go. You, you will never go. Tell them, give you everything. Charlie, forget it. But the moment there is a desire, I remember so well that my auntie, she's been asking of me, asking of me every time. Asking of me every time. And I'm like, ah. Auntie, I will come and visit you. I will come. And then one day the thing got to her. She said, if I was your girlfriend. <laughs> if I was your girlfriend. I'm sure by now. No matter your schedule. You would have represented. I said, Auntie, you got it right. You know, and I visited her. And because when something overwhelms your desire, you always want to be with it. You always want to have it. 
Be strong. You know, you see, if you find it so difficult to come to church, you must know where your desire is. If you find it so difficult to love the word of God, it must tell you where your desire is. If you find it so difficult to pray, it must tell you where your desire is. If you find it so difficult to win a soul, it must tell you where your desire is. So if you can see that your desires are not tilted towards the kingdom, it must tell you that you have a deep-seated desire somewhere else. Yeah. All right? Your desire will be able to determine who you want to give to. I'm t- oh, am I speaking to you? Now, listen. If there are two people right here, all of them have a need. You have limited resource. Limited resource. And you know that this is where your desire is. That's where your money will go. All of them need two cities. And you have only two Your money will go where your desire is. And, and so, if you really are somebody who is so much into the things of God and you are overwhelmed, it becomes the image of your desire. It's not difficult giving to God. It won't become an argument. It, it won't. It won't. When they place side by side, your desire will tell you where to go. Oh, hello. The image of your desire. The completion of your journey. When a vision becomes the completion of your journey, you are always looking to finish this and you actually are looking for to reap the joy that comes with it. Are you here with me? When you have a gift, I I mean, these things we're teaching are so powerful, and when it, it begins to consume you, many things will change. I'm telling you. Watch this. The completion of your journey. Everybody finds fulfillment, listen very carefully, where their desire will lead them. As a matter of fact, they are looking to how it's going to be like. Whatever they are desiring for. Is that true? Is that true? Whatever your desire is for, that becomes your image. It is not just that. You are looking at the end of it, how it's going to be like. And you already fantasize with imagination how it's going to be fulfilling. How it's going to be great. How it's going to be powerful. Are you getting the point? So, you see this young man, you see this young lady, and you so love them. Your desire is gone for them. You have never done anything with them. You just saw them. You just spoke with them. And your desire is overwhelmed by them. And you are going to marry them. 
but you are already seeing a beautiful man. You, you are seeing how when you meet them and when you marry and how your child is going to be, you are looking already at the completion of the journey that you have not even started. When a vision is born in you and it's a career vision, the same way. The moment you have it pregnant and it overwhelms your desire, Whilst everybody is looking at failures of businesses, you are already seeing a business that is grown, that is so powerful, that people are coming from the north, south, east, and west. Why? Because there's a desire driving it. And you are looking at the completion of that journey. Oh, praise God. Are you hearing me? And definitely, it will affect the collective destiny of a people. It doesn't stand in isolation. Never. No vision. You would think that it's just about you. And that's why we all have to be careful. Because when you allow certain things to overwhelm your desire, and you are looking at the completion of the journey, you must understand that you are never going to be alone in the journey. There are other people involved. Whether, listen, whether by default or by precedence and order. It, it's not, you can't decide it. As a matter of fact, if you decide not to, it will eventually go to. <laughs> People, whether you like it or not, will be affected. Okay? I, I have learned, I have learned very hard because, you see, when this issue happened at Doxa, I realized how people were affected. You are, you are amazed when I use my example. Yeah. I am very free-spirited. And I don't mind. Because it's always a blessing. So you can learn from it. As the Bible said, the things that happened to them was for us an example. <laughs> so let it be for you an example. Alright? And so I am like, wow. And so people come to me and they have not been to church. After that, they've never been to church. And they are so broken. Why? Because they were so attached. Hello? Right. Number two, they were looking at the completion of the journey. I felt it was just about me. I felt it was just, and then they made me realize that it is the collection of a destiny of a people. They have come to so much lock into it. And that desire has become their desire. That completion, that fulfillment has become their fulfillment. Hey, hey, are you here? They can, they can really see their future in this. And they have locked homes to it. Oh, praise God. So, it also means that when people want to hurt 
whatever it is, they must think that it is no one person. So you see, sometimes you have an individual problem with somebody and you decide to hurt the abuser. You're going to hurt your own best friend. You may hurt your own child. You may hurt your own company. <laughs> Are you here with me? We're talking about big things here. We're talking about serious things. Okay. All of this will come to play when we get into living the Jesus culture. So I'm, I'm making sure I lay the foundations very well. Praise God. Okay. So anytime you're thinking about something and you have a vision, make sure that all of these things are encapsulated. Amen. So now let's continue from here. Luke chapter 5, 36 to 39. Let's all read it together. Let's all go. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Or else, yes. New wine will bust the wineskins and be spilled. And the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins. And both are preserved. And no one, having drunk old wine, immediately desires new. For he says... Now, people read this parable Jesus said, and for them, they actually don't understand. They, 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 they don't know Jesus was actually talking about the Old Testament, the law, and the New Testament grace. So Jesus was already talking about his death, burial, and resurrection, and the after effects of it. That he, he is the reason and the centrality of the Bible. Everything they did before he came was because of him. Now, when he dies and he resurrects, the new wine will be broken. That's what happened. <laughs> it is the symbolism of what happened in John chapter 2. His first miracle at Cana. When he turned water into wine. Are you getting the point? He was talking about the breaking of the new wine. So the old wine, they said, they testified that the new wine is better than what? Did the MC say that? Uh-huh. That's what Jesus was talking about. He's talking about how the New Testament is going to be better than the Old Testament. That was what was symbolized there. All right. And he's talking in parables here as well. And he says that in their custom, all of them understood that an old wine goes into an old wine skin. And a new wine into a new wineskin. You don't mix putting a new wine into an old wineskin or an old wine 
into a new place. No. It will become a problem. So what he's saying is that you can mix the Old Testament and the New Testament and live it as a culture. And he says, because they had lived the Old Testament for a long time, and change is so difficult for human beings. The old wine is still sweet for them. They don't want to try the new. Hello? Are you getting a point? But he says, when they try it, there's going to be an explosion. And that is what is happening in our churches today. We are mixing the old wine with the new. We are saved by grace, but we live by the law. What Jesus is practically saying here is that, listen, he said, and no one, having drunk old wine, immediately de- so you see desire. Desires new, for he says the old is better. Because their desire has been tilted towards something. By the end of this, he will change your desire. Man is so used to he be in charge. And yet, it has produced no results. But he's so used to boasting by himself. That it has become difficult to submit to grace. May that be not be your portion. I said, may that not be your portion. People normally say you need a balance. So you balance the gospel, that's the grace revelation with the law. They call it balance. But the the verse we read right now didn't see it as a balance. He saw it as contradictory. So it's just like you have water. It's pure water. And then you put a little poison in it. And you decide to drink it. Is it called balance? What is that? It's a mixture. 
Concussion. It is destructive. It doesn't matter how little the poison is. It disturbs the whole solution of water. And it, it becomes catastrophic. Is that true? That is how a little bit of law in grace can destroy. So, like he said, you are putting freedom and bondage together. He said, this is freedom. But let's put a little bit of bondage there. It is either freedom or bondage. Oh, praise God. You are either free by the liberty of the spirit or you are either in bondage by the works of the law. There is no middle ground. So when we say Jesus culture, we mean the grace culture. And you should be able to live by the grace culture. Train yourself in the grace culture. Tilt your desire towards the grace culture. And I can tell you, you'll be unbeatable. It doesn't work by fear and manipulation. It works by freedom. Oh, praise God. It works. It works. This scripture is one scripture that a lot of people don't understand. And we have sung songs on it. How many of you have sung that song before? Eh? You have sung that song before? Mutro Bojo. Eh? Ubeshia Yeshi. Boye Nya Eni. Mutro Bojo, dear. Enyakra. Because <laughs> if you're going to be hot, be hot. If you're going to be cold, be cold. All right? Now, this is one of the letters to the seven churches that Jesus wrote. And you must know that, listen, all of them that Jesus wrote to all the churches, he was talking about doctrinal problems. Revelation is full of symbolisms and metaphors. So you don't take everything you see there literal. Like the 666. And people are expecting to see 666. Right. Most of the things there are in symbols. So they are not literal. Now, this scripture you see there, in the cultural context of the people, where they were living, Laodicea was living at the tip of a valley. And they have the Lysos River and the Maenda River. Now, at their top of the mountain, the Lysos River actually breathes, it springs cold water, ice cold, ice cold. Now, they create, created an aqueduct 
an aqueduct is something like a channel that is able to bring water from a certain point to another point. Especially heights and depths. Are you getting the point? Uh -huh. So, when the Lysus River springs ice cold, before they carry the water to Laodicea, it has become lukewarm. And then down the valley, remember they are the tip of the valley. Down the valley, the Mayenda River springs hot water. And before they carry that water too, to Laodicea, it also becomes lukewarm. So they are not able to have ice cold water or hot water. And Jesus used it as an illustration. With regards to the Old Testament and the New. That you are either operating the hot, which is the grace, or the cold, which is the law. You cannot mix the two. That is it. That's the scripture. So there is nothing like mixture. A mixed culture in Christianity. There is nothing like that. And it breaks Jesus' heart that he will do some for you to do some. It is either all of him or all of you. Oh, are you here with me? It is either all of or all of you. You are either submitting to his culture or you have your culture. He said, you are in this world, but you are not of because your culture is different. Your way of life is different. Your language is different. Your dynamics are different. What the world sees is not what you see. The world sees with the physical eyes. And that is their culture. But for you, you know no man after the flesh. And after the appearance. Because you see with the eye of the spirit. Our cultures are different. Oh, praise God. We have stopped celebrating that thing we used to celebrate. International Culture Day. <laughs> Do you know how culture came? Genesis chapter 11. They were building a brick into the heavens. 
and they were accruing. Bible said they were doing it for themselves and by fame. And God confused their language. That's how culture started. Then they were all living under one culture. Don't forget, in the Garden of Eden, there was an individual. And then it became a couple. And then it became a family. <laughs> eh? And then it became a commune. And then it became a nation. And then when the Tower of Babel came in, then it became nation. That is how nations and different cultures develop. How did it come by? Because people were doing things and they were giving themselves the credit. And there was one law that governs the earth. What is that law? Where love is, there's success. So God had to come in by his sovereignty. Which is a higher law. The higher law is that there can be love. There must be success. But if it doesn't go to the glory of God, it will collapse. <laughs> so that higher law overcame it. Are you understanding me? So he actually didn't mean for us to have different cultures. No. No. That's why he picked Israel and gave them a culture. Told them what to eat. Is that right? How to live hygienically. Is that right? Told them how to plead for their sins. He gave them a culture. So when you become a believer, you have a culture in Christ Jesus. Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, my God. So now, watch this. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. I want all of us to read this. Let's all read. Go. Oh, read it like you mean it. So, he said, knowing this, know that the law is not made for the righteous person. The law is made for the lawless and insubordinate person, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers for manslayers. Anywhere you see laws, it was not made for the people that will do the right thing. 
Because if you do the right thing, you don't need the law. <laughs> so anytime you see law, which definitely comes with punishment, it is because of the deviant in society. Joseph didn't have any law. But he ran away from Potiphar. Potiphar's wife. Is that right? Did, was there any law? Was there any commandment? If you do this, this will happen to you. So who says that grace? It's a license to sin. Because there was no law. No. You don't need a law. To do right. He said, when you see law, it is because of those who have made their minds to do wrong. That is why you don't live under law. Because the day you receive Jesus and he gave you the righteousness nature, your desire changed. So you don't need a law. Sin no more is your nature. The one who has sinned as their nature, they need a law. You don't need a law. Because in you, there's everything that leads you to rightness. The reason why they need a law is because in them, everything leads them to the wrong. Oh, are you understanding me? So their culture is wrong. It's demonic. Their ideology is what? Are you getting the point? Their vision is skewed and blurred. But you are different. Praise the Lord. Now, anytime you talk about works, works with regards to the believer, it has nothing to do with law. It has to do with rewards. Are you getting the point? So, for us, yes, we do works. Works ingrained in love that is rewarded by faith. It has nothing at all to do with somebody wanting to punish us. So, we are motivated to do right because we'll be punished. Punishment no more is our motivation for rightness. Oh, are you here with me? Do, do you understand it? If you are motivated, listen. So, if you are motivated to give, 
Because you think God will plug holes in your business. You are living under a law. And you are the one placing a curse on yourself. But should that stop you from giving? No. But you give. Motivated by love. Rewarded by faith. <laughs> oh, praise God. Are you seeing the difference? So, my works, listen to me very carefully. Don't push me to do what is right. Because I know and live in rightness, it pushes me to my works. So, I don't come to church because God will be angry with me. If that is what I do, then what it means is that it is my works that is pushing me. It doesn't have a reward. But if I know how much I love him and how much he loves and he has so much for me in knowing him. My works will show. <laughs> Are you getting the point? Yes. So works for the believer no more becomes the input. It becomes the output. Works no more become the manufacturer. Works becomes the produce. Oh, praise God. So if you see me hurriedly running to church, it's not because I'm afraid God will punish me. Love is pushing me. <laughs> if you see me giving like crazy, it's not because I'm afraid I'll go broke. And so I, I give, and God will have to. No, it's because love is pushing me. And my faith is him is so strong. Are you understanding? Somebody say the Jesus culture. Well, say like you mean it, the Jesus culture. Look at 2 Corinthians 3, 7 to 8. Let's all read it, go. But if... The ministry of what? Death. Written and engraved on stones. You know what is that? The what? The law. You remember that? Okay, good. Let's continue. Was glorious. <laughs> so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance. Which glory is passing away? How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glory. Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. Watch it. Go. For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more. 
Oh, praise the Lord. Somebody say the Jesus culture. Look how he calls it. He calls one the ministry of what? Condemnation. And the other the ministry of righteousness. So the ministry of condemnation, every day you feel condemned. Every day you feel, ah, I was not able to do it well, so I'm condemned. God is angry with me. Yeah. You see believers every time they say God is angry. God is so erratic that every time he has mood swings. <laughs> hey. So erratic. He has no strength. He says the ministry of what? Somebody say, I have the ministry. The culture of righteousness. Tell them, that's my life. Tell them like you mean, that's my life. Oh, tell them like, that's my life. 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 Praise God. It's going to come with a lot of attacks yes not spiritual attacks forget about that one if <laughs> listen to me if believers have something that you fight a lot let me tell you it is people as for satan and his demons forget about them the only way they can have Access is when you live in condemnation. Yeah. The moment you lose who you are, you give them a foothold. Are you getting the point? That's what Ephesians 6 tells you to do. Okay? Put on the whole armor. Okay? The moment your armor is in place, you know you're a child of God. You know you cannot be condemned. Are you getting the point? The truth of the gospel is your belt. I get the point. Your feet is guarded by the, uh, the, the gospel of peace. You know that, listen, you have peace with God. You are justified. Are you getting the point? Yeah, you, you know all of that. Okay? And you have the sword of the word of the Lord, the sword of the spirit. Okay? You accurately divide the word. We'll, we'll go into that. You are fine. Your main problem will be people. Because you are living a different culture from them. And they would never understand you. So they would always oppress you till you kotow to them and change your culture. And the moment you change, you lose your inheritance. Are you getting the point? You become just like them, you lose your relevance. You lose your influence. You lose your dominion. And, and that's what is going to happen. Are you different? Who do you think you are? Yeah. I get the point. Things are going down. You said, I'm not going down. <laughs> I'm going up. They said, look at this foolish boy. 
Yes. Yes. They are doing everything to make you feel that you are guilty. He said, I'm not guilty. I'm not guilty. Heaven cannot criminalize me. Christ paid for me. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. He said, look at the guy. So as for you, they tell you you are crazy. You hear it sev- several times. You are mad. You are not correct. The guy is gone. If that stops you, you stopped yourself. As a matter of fact, even in church, some people will do it to you. Oh yes, even in church. Even in church. But I pray that everybody understands the culture. And. That is when everybody will see a church of a difference. I can guarantee you. The Lord bless you. Grace, glorious grace. Grace, glorious grace. At the cross, you called it finished. Thank you for listening to Grace Bills by Reverend Josh Lai, Lead Pastor, Caris Center International. We believe the word has begun a good work in you. May God's amazing grace lead you to a peaceful and joy-filled life. Caris Center International, living heaven on earth.